Growth hormone deficiency. I don't know. Is I guess like it was a thing. Short where, as fuck? I, I was reading this. I was like, where are my injections? Wait, is that what just they just call being short? Growth hormone It's called being short, messy. When you're not that good in soccer, it's called just being short. Is he going to be like... You are listening to the Dude Nature Podcast. everyone welcome to the reactor we're glad to have you here you're with the dude nature podcast and i'm with my brother as always adam weitzman how's it going everyone hi hello everyone hey guys gripes before we do gripes i just want to say that if you listen to the podcast and you like the podcast one thing to do that really really helps us out is to leave a five-star review on itunes helps other people find the show and helps us keep doing it thank you So we love you for that thank you very much thank you my gripe today and by the way, Noah, these are the gripes where we gripe to each other for 30 seconds each about something mildly irritating. Okay. My gripe is, damn, is it expensive to get a French bulldog? Because our mother is in the market for a brand new French bulldog. And let me tell you, some, I guess, colors of French bulldog cost $15,000. It's fifteen grand for... Is a, is a Frenchie one of the most popular dogs? Isn't yeah. it German Shep? I think not only is it super popular, Shep, not Shepherd. only is it super popular, but to I think to have the babies like a bulldog, you have to do the C-section, right? Which makes it super expensive. Wait, what? Yeah, for bulldog puppies to be born, they have to go in because a bulldog can't have babies without human intervention. We fucked that dog right up. So we. Anyway, so my gripe is insane. So you, so they're all C-section babies. My gripe is that it's extremely expensive to find a normal, just a normal Frenchie. Not it doesn't need to be blue. It doesn't need to be blue and spotted or any any crazy color. Just a regular Frenchie for our mom. What's your gripe? My gripe is that before I came over today, I put on my number one sweatpants because I want to be ready to pod. Right? I put on my number ones and I was all ready to come over. And then I put I put me on my. I have two pairs of me on these boxers because they're so expensive, but they are good. Okay, thanks for the money, me on these. I put on my Miyandis boxers and then my number one Nike sweatpants. And I was all ready to come over. And then I sat down in a chair that had water in it. And, oh, I, no. and my butt was wet and I had to change. I had to change. And that's my, my, my gripe is when you get in your number one clothes and then you get them wet and then you can't wear them anymore. And they, they have to go back in the dry, dry. When you get into your number ones? Yeah. When you get into your number ones. I didn't know that was going to happen. Saucy little end. Saucy little end there. Uh, no, let's play our game. Let's do it. Okay. So these are actually, I have three games for you. You have three games. But we're going to do two instead of one today, just because it'll be more fun. Okay, okay. So let's start off with the first one, which is, can you name any of the top 10 highest paid athletes no, currently? I like, I like this. Okay. LeBron James. LeBron James. Yeah. He's on there. He's number four. Okay, uh, Messi. Messi is number three at $80 million on field and 104 with endorsements. Holy shit. I think it's a whole lot more than that with the endorsements, but I mean, I don't. we don't Christy, know exactly Christy, how much Christy they make. Cristiano Ronaldo. Christy is number two with $105 million. Okay, 
Uh, LeBron, Christie. LeBron, Christie, Messi. You got him. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's number seven. James Harden. James Harden's not on there. Steph Curry. Steph Curry is. Steph Curry's number six. So you're six. talking about on-field and off-field. Right. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, Hold on. Stop. Stop. Let me try. Mbappe. Sorry to do this to you. You can lower your... You can come a little bit lower. Nah, I'm good. Mbappe? Come a little bit lower so I can hear you. What do you mean? There you go. Like, like up? You're too high. I can't hear you. Mbappe? Uh, not, a, not Mbappe, but someone... His friend on the other side in Paris. It was on the other wing. Neymar. Neymar, yeah. Neymar's number five at 95 million. Could you name any more? Neymar... There's um, someone in racing. Do you know who this is? Is F1 racer? Formula no, One? No idea. Do uh, you know who Lewis Hamilton is? No. I don't either. No Some, one knows who Lewis Brit. Hamilton is, but he gets a ton they do of bills. In, they do in the UK. He gets a ton of bills. He's F1. Then Kirk Cousins for the NFL at 71 million. Russell Westbrook at 64 million. And that's it. That's our list right there. So good job. You did pretty good. How do you feel? There's only one person in the NFL? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's really interesting. Right. Not, is, no, I didn't see Tom on there. That's Which is crazy. Weird. You would think that Tom would get tons of money in endorsements, right? I can't believe there's only one person in the NFL. Um, that's wild. Isn't that shit wild? Yeah, shit's wild. Okay, so... And some random dude that drives NASCAR that no one knows about. Yeah, exactly. So our second game, greatest Jewish athletes ever. Mm, I'm so fucking in. Okay, you ready for this one? I know it. Okay, so let's start with baseball. I mean, baseball, I, okay. Sandy Koufax. Right. So there's, All Jews know of Sandy Koufax. There's Sandy Koufax, and yeah. then there's a couple other famous ones. Just Jewish baseball players? Because that's basically all we have is baseball. Just, li- just like, just spoiler alert. You all can, we have is baseball. You can just list them. Okay. Ryan Braun. Remember the Hebrewer? Oh, right. The, I don't, okay. The Hebrewer. Okay. And then we have Sean Green of the LA Dodgers. Okay. Who we watched a lot. And then this fucking dude, who I want to read more about, Hank Greenberg of the Tigers, who was the original dude to like sit out the World Series. He played on the Tigers through World War II. Here's a quote. From Hank Greenberg, who fought in the war as well. Every home run I hit, he once said, it was a home run against Hitler. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so he played in Detroit, and he played that in Detroit so in the Tigers when it wasn't cool to be Jewish. When there was, you know, a lot of racism, so anti-Semitism. Like no. No, he experienced a lot of hatred. He would sometimes go over to the opponent's dugout and try to fight the, the people who call, uh, called out some racist-ass shit. Wow. He was one of the wow. only people to publicly welcome Jackie Robinson. Wow, the first there black it player is. in 1947. There it is. There you go. There we go. Hank, Hank, Hank motherfucking Greenberg. Good job, fucking hey, unsung Sick hero. Unsung, unsung hero. hero. I want to know more about Hank Greeny. Um, yeah, and of course, Andy Koufax, like you said. Okay. So, Noah, what's our topic today? Our topic is, I can't wait for this topic. Are pro athletes born or made? We have an absolutely packed episode. We're going to go into marathon runners, then halftime honey, then Lionel Messi, NBA players in height. And then a man tries to become pro golfer with 10,000 hours of practice. Basically, the episode oh, is... Oh, wow. Yeah, the episode is, how do how do you become a pro athlete? Is it just skill? Are they born? Are they born? Are they created? Are they created? What the hell happens? Yeah. Adam. What does happen? Begins that don't suck. You, you have 60 seconds to tell us everything we need to know about the episode to enjoy it. Are you ready? Three. I am ready now. Three, two, one. LeBron James, Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps. These are the insane athletes of our generation, Noah. Okay, when you see them on TV, holy cow, are these people even human? You could be asking yourself, like when you see their bodies, pretty amazing. 
When I look down at my small sort of puny body, it seems impossible that I could ever be in the same species as LeBron or Michael Phelps or Usain Bolt. But maybe I could. What makes an athlete? No, is it their genetics? Are they born like this fucking good at shit? Or is it their training? Or maybe it's a combo of both. So we will explore today what we need to do to all become fish that live at SeaWorld, just like Michael Phelps. And so, Noah? Mm -hmm. What is our theme? Okay, for our theme, I'm going to first read a quote. I'm going to tell you who this quote, quote is from after I read it. Hank Greenberg. Okay. Well, I wish it was from fucking Hank. He's my new hero. Great. I got to look more to Hank. Okay, here we go. Every home run he hit. Here we go. For me, when they ask what a player needs to become successful, I say that it is like the legs on a three-legged table. Those legs comprise of natural ability, total dedication, and luck. And that's from Kike Dominguez, who is the youth coach of Lionel Messi. Kike Dominguez? Yeah. And so my theme, I have three words for my theme. Natural ability, total dedication, and luck. Wow. Okay. That was a banger. That's fucking amazing. I so myself. Yeah. Okay, Adam. Yeah, what are we talking about? You ready to talk to us about marathon runners? I think it's a good place to start because what is mar what is running a marathon but just being a supreme athlete, running from A to B, the base of human nature, running to the grocery store, running to eat your prey, things of that nature. It's good because you're taking out like technical skill in sport. Right. We're taking it out. We're starting with the Don't base. Don't freak out, runners. Okay, I'm not saying it's not technical. Hey, runners. Hey, runners, calm down. During this section, please don't hey, pop a gasket. You know what? You know what I do want to do? Why is marathon running and like ultra running become more of a thing as time goes on? It's gotten more and more popular. I feel like it's a growing sport, don't you? I think that I'm isn't it something to do with as things get worse in the world around us, some there's some innate need to just run. Like you could run away from something. You like that, building up your your flight response. Is that a true thing? I think so. I like that. I think it could be. Talk to me about marathon runners. So speaking of running, I hate running, first of all. And it's been well documented on this podcast that we read Born to Run, a book about how humans are born to run. Right. A, a book about how humans are born to run. And we blew out our knees running. Both of us. So recently I read David Goggins' book. I took up running again. Yep. I finally, finally <laughs> ran over six miles. Mm -hmm. And then now I haven't gone on a run since because I fucking hate it so much. And it hurts my knees so badly. Look, I don't like running either, but I also don't like being fat. But goddamn, do I respect but it. But goddamn, do I respect it. I respect running. I just don't want to be fat. I don't want to be fat either, but I think I might want to be fat more than I want to go on a run. Honestly, I like that. At this point. You want to be fat more than you want to go on a run? I it, fucking hate it. That is a level that I'm not. I have never been close to. Anyway, so when... People measure how fit runners are. I know I said this before on a different podcast. I forget which episode it was. They're measuring something called VO2 max, which yes, is the sir. measure of the maximum amount of oxygen a person can utilize in intense aerobic exercise or the amount of oxygen that is available to you. Okay. So to get tested for your VO2 max, it is very hard to do as a consumer, as someone who is an amateur athlete. Here is what a British journalist had to go through when he wanted to get his VO2 max tested and to see if there's any validity to it. The reason I'm going to talk about this is because this is something that I'd be very interested in. Because you can see oh, Wuhan, the way that they market these companies, they market themselves, is that they say that they will tell you if you have a high aerobic potential. In other words, if you're born an athlete, they will just tell you right away. So I'm talking about a company specifically like DNA Fit. 
So DNA fit, you give them a blood test and they give you your VO2 max and they let you know if you you are going to be a fucking piece of shit athlete or you're going to be Michael Jordan. Wait, so you can just give them a blood blood and they can tell you like what you could possibly get to? Yeah, that's what that's what they say. Okay? So this journalist, he was wondering the same thing as me. He wondered why his brother was always better than him aerobically at sports. Train extremely yeah. hard. So he trained extremely hard to run a marathon to see if his genes, if he could overcome his kind of natural deficiency of being an athlete. He was always kind of the pudgy fat kid, things of that nature, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Okay. So he did run the marathon and then he wanted to see what these companies would have told him if he had gotten the test before he ran the marathon, because he wanted to see how if, he, they if he would have been completely discouraged and how bad they were. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. That'd be fucking awful. It'd be fucking awful. Right? So what he did is he obtained samples from an elite sprinter like one of the best sprinters in the world. He wouldn't say who it is. And he obtained blood samples from a pro cyclist as well. All right. And his own as a okay. control. Great. And he sent it in. So he used it as a control. Right. And so he sent it into DNA fit, which is just an example of the many different consumer blood testing companies that will tell you your athletic ability. Right? Very cool. And they're gonna tell you the athletic ability. They're going to be like, based on how much oxygen you can get in your lungs. Yeah. They're going to be like your VO two max is this. And based on that, you're going to be, you can be a, you know, fat ass motherfucker. Like soccer players average this and you could get to the average. Right. Like, right? Or you okay, could be I a real it. athlete. So what are the results of this? The Olympic sprinter and the pro cyclist, their aerobic potential. And these people, by the way, they have a VO2 max of above 70, which is absurdly high. For example... An excellent VO2 max for a 30-year-old male is 45. That would be an excellent. That's like the top end of the scale. So anything above 70 is literally off the charts. It's not even on a chart. I really want to see what mine is now. Yeah. How much was it? Um, the pro cyclist and the Olympic sprinter were above 70. Okay, Jesus. Yeah. And an excellent, like the top of the scale, the excellent for a male 30-year-old is 45. Okay, got you. VO2 max. So almost twice that. Right, so almost twice that, exactly. And, and, and it shows you your potential too. Right. Right. That's the whole thing. Right. Exactly. Okay. So when they got the results back from DNA fit, the Olympic sprinter and the pro cyclist, they were judged to just have medium aerobic potential. <laughs> and when he, <laughs> when he got his test back, it said medium aerobic potential as well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so stupid. Right. Right. Th that's a great test that he so did. So when he asked DNA fit or the founder of it to defend their product, the, the director of the product line said they had used the word potential misleadingly. And it was actually supposed to be where to focus your training and not if you were going to be a crap athlete or a good athlete, but that's not how they marketed yeah, it. Yeah. My all. dick. Yeah. My dick. Exactly. Okay. So the British journal of sports medicine recently had this quote to say about these direct to consumer tests. These results are pointless. Throw them away. There are no scientific grounds for any of it. So there you go. So basically you cannot judge by your VO2 max if you'll be a professional athlete or not. No, you can't. You cannot at all. But it, it's, it's more cool. of that these companies, the blood testing that they're doing to tell you your aerobic potential is, are, bullshit. is bullshit. Okay, that's interesting. Right. So it's much more complicated <laughs> than what they're saying. Motherfuckers, honestly. So, scorpion producers. So let's go on to talk about some people that surely have higher aerobic potential than me, mere Jewish people like me or you, right? <laughs> yeah. And these people are, are marathon runners specifically from Kenya. Okay. Why are we talking about Kenyans running streaming? Because Kenyans win almost every marathon and they've been doing so for 
since they entered marathons like 20 or 30 years ago. That's so weird. It's, if it's not a Kenyan, it's an Ethiopian. Are they in the ultra running thing or no, not not yet? I don't think they're ultra runners. They like they the marathon. They like the marathon. They like that the distance is good for them. Yeah, they don't like the hundred meter like weird. Just they're not weirdness. into the weird. The, the weird like I'm gonna I'm gonna like hurt myself. I'm gonna just rail my body as I run up this hill. It's pretty amazing. Okay, so is this a f- what we're trying to decide? Is is this physical or is this cultural? Why these East African runners are so good? Okay, so as described by a 20 year running coach about training people with no athletic ability. Anyone can run a mile and most can do it at five or six minutes. I I can't imagine I could do it at five minutes. That'd be crazy. If properly motivated and minimally trained, not everyone can successfully come out of blocks, accelerate to full speed in 20 to 30 meters, unless they are slow and hold on for 50 to 150 meters. So what he's talking about there is he's talking about the fast muscle twitch reflex. And that is something that, holy shit, did you kick me or is that blue? That was, I kicked blue. I accidentally kicked blue and he, then he kicked you. Speaking of fast twitch muscle, blue just Not kicked the shit out of my shin. Blue my Adam's dog. dog. Keep going. Um, so, right. So not everyone can do something super, super fast, but everyone can get to a decent level of athleticism is what he's saying. So maybe there's a combination of both. Back um, to Kenyans. Put a, put a pin in that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show an example. All right, of that we'll, we'll put a pin. Put a pin right there. Put a pin. Okay. Back to Kenyans, right? Okay. The Boston Marathon. 21 of the 29 years since they entered, since 1990, a Kenyan has won. 21 out of 29. 21 out of 29 years. Damn. The London Marathon. Since 2004, 13 out of 16 winners were Kenyan. The rest were from Ethiopia. Jesus. Okay. On the women's side, the last 11 winners were from Kenya or Ethiopia of the London Marathon. The New York Marathon. Since 2010, all Kenyans and Ethiopians with wins. One Eritrean win. So we're looking at over 90% win percentage for Kenyans. Right. So we're looking at a a dominance of a sport that has never been seen before. insane. It's literally insane. It's not like, it's more than anything you could possibly imagine. Domination of a sport. So why the, how the hell do they dominate? Are they born? Are they born or are they made? Are they born or they made? Tell me. Exactly. So why, how the hell do they dominate this much? Let me tell you about one specific example. Eliud Kipchoge. Okay. He ran the fastest marathon ever. He's from Kenya in 2019. It was two hours, one minute, and 39 seconds. Do you know how fast the miles are? Two hours, one minute, and 39 seconds he ran a marathon? Do you know how fast those miles are? I almost do. Probably about five. It, that's pretty close. It's a four minute and 39 second mile. For 26 miles? For two hours. A f- what? Four minute and a what? That is like, that is wait, so fast. Wait, that's something that I want to see. That's incredible, isn't it? That's something you, you want to see. But that? that's something you want to see. Right. You want to see their eyes. What is the look? What is the eye of the you tiger? You want to run next to them and be like, oh it's my. It's the eye of the tiger. tiger. What do you think is the eye of the Kenyan? The eye of the yeah, Kenyan. Yeah, why isn't it called eye of the Kenyan? I know. Seriously. Eye of the Kenyan. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about. Um, that's my band name. That's our band name. Eye let's, of the Kenyan. You like that? Let's talk about their physical differences of these okay. runners. Okay. Yeah. When they've been studied. Because they have been. Surely these people have physical characteristics that are different than okay, ours. Okay. Well, number one. Because a Jewish person couldn't do that. No, a Jewish person. I, I don't do feel that. like a Jewish person can no do that. No Jewish person does that. According to the Journal of Sports Medicine, they have huge in nuts. 2015, not only do they have huge fruits, nuts, huge fruits nuts, on them. Kenyan European runners can both reach very high levels of VO2 max, and there are no differences in proportion of slow muscle fibers. So we're talking about the twitch muscle or the speed gene, what people talk about. Okay. You mind giving me that again? 
I was singing Eye of the Canyon in my head. It's the Eye, Eye of, of the, the Canyon. canyon. It's the thrill of the marathon. Yeah. Sorry. According to the Journal of Sports Medicine, 2015, okay, both Kenyan and European runners, so they obviously compare the Kenyans against other Europeans okay, cool, as a yeah. control, can reach very high levels of VO2 max. And there are no differences in proportion of slow muscle fibers. There's no differences okay. in twitch muscle fibers. However, the oxygen cost at running at velocity, at a, at a high velocity, is different between Kenyan and European runners. And it is proposed that due to the difference in body dimensions, the longer legs of Kenyan runners, they use up less oxygen when they're running. This is a theory. They use up, so they have, a, they have better oxygen efficiency when they're running. Right. And, and then, so you're saying that fast and slow twitch is the same for Europeans and Kenyans. Right. Right. So fast twitch muscles are the same, but perhaps they use up less oxygen because of the mechanics of their running. Because of their body shapes are a little bit different. Why are you smiling at me? I'm, I'm literally singing Eye of the Canyon in my head. Yeah. It's got me. Yeah. It hooked me. Imagine looking into their eyes as he runs four it's minutes and 39 seconds for two hours. Canyon. Just raping miles. I'm into that name, Eye of the Canyon. Metal band. Metal band, Eye of the Canyon. All right. Let's talk about the cultural differences. Okay. In Iten, Kenya, a little town in Kenya where many, many, many Olympic athletes are from. There's too many to even list in, in my outline. In a little town? In a tiny town called Eten, How many Kenya. people live there? I'm glad that you asked. It's comparable to Salem, Massachusetts. Really? Yeah. And just Olympic athletes come out of there. Just like lists and like lists. 20, 30 Wait, Olympic what athletes. What the hell is going there. on here? It's not only Olympic athletes, but like world champion marathon. What's runners. in the water? Okay. So first of all, it's extremely high at altitude. It's not just at altitude. It's at a lot of altitude. It's at 8,000 feet. Okay, that's solid. That's solid altitude. That's insane. Colorado Springs, for example, which is where a lot of the U.S. Olympic athletes go to live and train. Like when I, when you, when I would visit there, Colorado Springs, when I was in college, mm -hmm. all the Uber drivers were like training for being <laughs> an Olympiad. So it has literally the most ripped Uber drivers in the world? Ripped. Ripped ass Uber drivers. Ripped Uber drivers. Okay. That is 6,000 feet. It's not 8,000 feet where E10 is. Okay, so okay. it's higher. Right, exactly. Um, in this town, there is the high school is called St. Patrick's High School. It's been coached by an Irish missionary with no running experience before he no. came there in 1976. He said he would stay there for one season, and he has lived in E10 ever since. Okay, his name is Brother O'Driscoll. Is that, is that because his athletes are just, just crushing it? And he, yeah, and he coaches the running team. And this is what he has to say about it. He says the only secret to Kenyans running dominance is that there is no secret. What? So make of that what you will. I think what he's saying there is that the, secret, no, the secret is that they, run a it, lot. It's, they just run a shitload. Yeah, okay? yes, yes that's, that's what he's saying. On the entrance to the town of E10, it's a big banner that says, Welcome to E10, the home of champions. That is so tough. It is fucking awesome. And so they are. in this town, it's a very rural upbringing. Run. There are dirt roads absolutely everywhere. And their kids, it's not like in modern US where you have to be inside. They just like let them go and they run around fucking everywhere. They just right? fucking run. They got a simple diet. They have no junk food basically. And they have perfect running train of rolling hills. And once again, it's at very high altitude, dirt roads and such of that nature. There's also an entire community of distance runners there because obviously, <laughs> yeah, they're Olympic. guess what? White people caught on and they're like, oh shit, I want to go to E10 and become like I, I, literally I, I, I want to have the eye of the Kenyan. 
I need to go I get, get the that eye of the Kenyan. I need to go get the eye of the Kenyan. Tucker Gross, get your eye of the get Kenyan. The so a lot of people moved there. And if you want to be a runner, guess what? There's like hundreds of mentors there for you now. Okay. So it's a self-perpetuating uh, Right. So thing. now they're really good because... Yeah. Okay. It, has an, it has an official altitude training center, which is super nice there. It's, you know, it's fucking sick. It's what they do there. This goes back to my theme. Also, Adam. running, as we will see, you can make really good money being a great sprinter. And you can come back and you can support younger athletes and be a, a How's great that town person? doing in general? It's doing better than other towns. The money of the got them, money of the home Kenyan. of champions. Brother O Driscoll, the coach who had no. Can I say? Experience. Can I say it goes to my theme? It goes to my theme: natural ability, total dedication, and luck. Yeah, natural ability, right? They seem to maybe have longer legs, higher VOT max efficiency. Yeah, maybe like possibly that. some some natural ability there. And then at this point, there's just luck because it's a perpetuating cycle. They have the luck of the environment of a perfect running environment. Right, and they have so so many people in their community are running. I'm sure if you have running issues, like if I I have broke ass fucking knees, I could ask someone about that. Natural ability, total dedication. There's a huge running community that all they're dedicated to running and luck, perfect yeah. environment for it. And huge fruits. And huge fruits. Yeah, you would be able to ask someone about your knee. Okay, would so, they let you into Kenyan society though? So what do you think? Are Kenyans are they made or are they born? The Kenyan runners. I really think it's 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 the big three. It's a combination it's of all three. three. Okay. Let's move on from Kenyan run, Kenyan marathon runners to the Jamaican sprinters. Oh yes, I miss okay. them. I dude, I miss the, the sprinting is the sickest. Yeah, the hundred meter sickest. is the is the sickest Olympic event. Love, I die mean, for the hundred meter. It is the Olympic event. It's the it is the Olympic event. But of any of uh, of the winter of the summer, it's just the hundred meter sprint is the, the most event. classic event. It's the sickest event. I think it is the who event can that, sprint the fastest. But it over is like meters. the event the that the thing. whole thing is building up to. Is the 100 oh, meter sprint? It, yeah, it, the it's my favorite. The world's fastest man is the 100 meter. Sprint. Oh, it's my favorite. Okay, it's the greatest. So, like Kenyans dominate marathon running, Jamaicans dominate sprinting. A tiny island is Why Jamaica. Why do they dominate sprinting? I know it's unbelievable. They must have a gene that makes them run faster, right? Maybe, maybe not. Usain Bolt has a gene that makes them run faster. Here is their dominance. Jamaicans have won 15 of the 24 medals awarded in the 100 meter and 200 meter sprints the last two Olympics. 15 of the 24 medals. Do you know how small Jamaica is? It's fucking small. Right? <laughs> it's Wait, is it like one? Is it like Massachusetts definitely has more people than Jamaica? Yeah. Three of the four fastest men ever are Jamaican. And so is the new women's 100 meter champion. Okay. They're Jeez. extremely fast. Let's talk about the GOAT. And who is the GOAT? Who no. is the GOAT? Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. Okay. Is he still the GOAT or has he aged? No, he's the absolute GOAT. Okay. World record holder in the 100 meters, in the 200 meters, and the 4 by 100 meter relay. 11-time world champion. And he did it all with swagger. And he danced. Oh, my God. So much And he swagger. was just such a fucking baller. Watching those races again, it's unbelievable. Wait. In the 100 meters, in the 100 meter, you know when they like, or 100, yeah. whatever, they used to do like a, like an intro for all of them? Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. so sick. He would like dance and smile. Everyone else is really serious about it. I just have, I have a tip for sprinters. Yeah. Though. Guess what? Chains. That's exactly gold, what I was going to say. Gold chains, baby. Take off some milliseconds off your time. Just remove the chain from your neck. There you go. But then, <laughs> but then, I, but then no, I don't no, get no. Like, the whole culture no, no, no. of see, sprinting. See but, see, but then you take away mojo. Do you know what happened to Austin Powers when he lost his mojo? Yeah, but then you take away mojo. You take away mojo, and then they suck. Yeah. Don't ever take away mojo. Yeah. Actually, I would say more chains. Um, only seven people have run a 100 meter faster than 9.8 seconds. And three of those seven people were on the Jamaican relay team. 
that broke the record for the four by hundred meter. It was like literally the most oh beast my God. team, the ever. fastest team alive. It was the fastest team alive. That is so for the four by hundred meter relay, and they broke the record there. So it's such a boss team, honestly. Okay, Usain Bolt's parents ran a local grocery store in a super rural part of Jamaica, and he was identified as a sprinting talent when he was ten years old. So that's why one of the reasons why they are so good at sprinting they is because identify talent. they are unbelievable at identifying these sprinters from a young age. Total so de- while dedication to sprinting, right? Exactly. So like while if he was in the U.S., he would probably gone into college football, right? It's basically like college football recruiting. Yeah, but he'd instead, also be a great so- he'd be a great soccer player, a great exactly football player. But instead, in Jamaica, he goes right into sprinting. They're like, boom, sprinter. Best athlete. That's the okay, sport. Yeah, I got you. Right. So, what is causing him to be that good? Is it some sort of speed gene, some fast twitch muscle? Is it the aluminum rich soil of Jamaica? Is it the green bananas and the yams that they eat in Jamaica? All of these have been theorized as to why Jamaicans are so damn good at sprinting. Okay. Here's the studied reasons. They're just fucking crazy about sprinting. <laughs> Usain Bolt is 6'5", and at 15, he was that tall. He would be getting recruited to play a wide receiver for like USC, not to be a sprinter. For sure. Okay. Also, if you're asking, is height super important? Because Usain Bolt is super tall, right? He's way taller than everyone else in the field. He's the tallest 100 meter winner ever. They're not even close to that tall usually. Right. But did that give him some kind of, a, of an advantage? Well, his, his race originally was the 200 meter because he could get up to speed, right? It takes him longer to get up to speed. While someone like Justin Gatlin, who is 6'1", they can get up to speed faster. But for some reason, Usain Bolt, he can, he can just hit it. Oh, my God. And usually, the, most, the really exciting part about watching him was that in most of his races, he'd fall behind because other people would go faster. But then he would just absolutely crush them. The torch? The torch. It's amazing. It's um, got to be the coolest thing ever to be the fastest man alive. Like, yeah. It's way, I think it's way cooler than being the strongest man alive. He holds the world record in 100 and 200 meters. Yeah. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Okay. So what do you make of it? What do you think? Um, I think that some of, some of this stuff, like with the, with the, the eye of the Kenyan, the Kenyans and the Jamaicans, it seems like there is some kind of feedback cycle where maybe there is a small amount of natural ability difference. Yeah. But what that starts is that starts a cycle of the whole area being totally dedicated to that one sport. And then, you know, and then the luck from that dedication that they're just born in that area. And then the whole society is dedicated to it. They have a small natural ability. Again, it's like my theme. Okay. Let's take a quick musical break. And after that, it'll be time for the halftime honey. The marathon running Kenyan that was four minutes, 30 seconds. Kipchoge. Kipchoge. Kipyogi. Yeah. That, that's, that's beyond insane. I just went on, okay, I want to run today. I ran, and it, I, I ran like seven miles in an hour. It was like an eight minute something mile. That was half of that for t- 26 miles. All right, Noah. You know what it's time for? Yeah, it's time? time for the holy shit balls. It's time for the halftime shit money. balls. This is the halftime money toast where we discuss and celebrate some absurd science in the news that is somehow related to our episode. I find the story, and Noah responds with his immediate thoughts. Okay, mm-hmm. and this halftime money, and I raise my glass. Noah, what are we drinking, guys? We're drinking the Jack Daniels honey. Hey, Jack, 
We would just like to be paid entrance fee for the Kenyan School of Running. Thanks, Jack. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. We appreciate it. I raise my glass to a true athlete, Ian Davis, the winner of the annual Oyster Shuck and Suck in Cordova, Alaska. Yeah, baby. That's that's what we need to get down on. Yeah, exactly. Also, this is for Hank Greenberg. Didn't know about you, but what a fantastic crew. Ian Davis. Okay, so Ian... He opened, he, they have to open the oysters like with a knife. It, it takes a, a second to open them. He opened and consumed 12 oysters in two minutes and 24 seconds. Opened and consumed. Opened and slurped. Open, slurp. Open, slurp. Open, open slurp. slurp. open, slurp. That's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. Let me also tell you, because that's did, a fucking, what do you think about him? Natural ability or, or luck? That's natty ability. That's natty. That's natty ability. 100%. Wrist That's motion. about fifty percent natty, fifty percent like Bud Light that they're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me just talk to you about the world of competitive eating just for a second. Oh, please. Or are you going to do it? Okay. It grosses me out. The tenth best competitive eater in the world. His name is. He's a seventy-six-year-old man and a retired CPA. He excels in the long he, game of a competitive eating. He's like a forty-five-minute specialist. Seventy years old. And he's a CPA. He's seventy-six years old, Noah. He's a retired CPA. Okay, his his nickname is amazing. His name is Richard the Locust Lafave. I fucking love it. Richard the Locust. The Locust. It literally there's a picture of him like winning something. And it looks like Bernie Sanders has won like a hot dog <laughs> eating competition. It's so tight. The Locust. The Locust. What does the Locust do? What's um, up? With he him? crushes at the long game. He's the 45 minute crusher. So he just fucking they go out too fast and he his name up? is the Locust because of the size of his jaws. His jaw opens super wide when he eats the the. Hot That's dog shit. He's called the locust. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Joey Chestnut is still the the OG. Is the OG right now of eating? I don't know who that is. He's ever since Kobayashi. He's been. Yeah, crushing. I know Kobayashi. You know Kobayashi. So what happened? To Kobayashi, Kobayashi was yoked. Did, Have you seen Kobayashi? Okay, I have a couple questions about Kobayashi. Sure. Yeah. So in eating, like, do they do, do they get too old? They just start to wither. Their skills wither. Yeah, you, I mean, you can't be... You don't have that kind of appetite anymore? Just like, you can't keep up that competitive spirit for so long. That dude that's right? 70, the locust is doing it. It's dangerous. So Ko- Kobay- so what? So Kobayashi went and then this other dude came in? Yeah, Kobayashi went, Joey Chestnut came in, and now the locust opens his jaws and specializes in the long game. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about competitive eating because it's fucking crazy. I want to do an episode on it. Okay, those also those people know how to market. Great website. Um, Noah, what do you make of Ian Davis Squarespace in the, in the opening? <laughs> Squarespace, maybe beautiful. <laughs> what do you think about Ian Davis in the opening of the oysters? Um, that, that, that's natural talent. It's wrist motion. Wrist motion. All right. Noah, please masturbating. give us some more ammo that we need to decide if athletes are born or are they created. I'm so, As I take a rip of this weed. I'm so fucking ready for my section. Okay, before anyone says it, it was not just an excuse to talk about soccer. Okay, this is a very good example. I'm going to talk about Lionel Messi. Who's Lionel Messi? For those of you who don't know who Lionel Messi is, he is some considered the GOAT, the greatest of all time soccer player. Or everyone at least considers him the number two greatest of all time player behind Pele. Okay? Wow. So the reason that we're going to talk about Messi's story today, Adam, is because I think Messi's story has a lot of the big three. Natural ability, total dedication, and luck. And it's crazy to think about when you go through his story, how close, like, the greatest soccer player of all time was to just never playing, to just not playing. Why? That's what we're going to go into. Okay. Okay, so again, think about th- think about the big three when you're, when you're hearing this. The thing about Messi in soccer culture is that not only is he, like, the 
the GOAT, but a lot of people consider him to be the biggest example of natural talent. So they say that Messi was just born great. But by the way, Messi doesn't look like LeBron. He doesn't look like Michael Phelps. What does he look like? Messi, Messi, Messi's tiny. He's tiny. He's tiny. But however, being tiny, people say that he was just, he was born like a guy. He was born great. Born just because incredibly what, fast. The reason is because when you see him play, he just seems like he's faster than everyone. He's better at dribbling than everyone. He's better. He's better at every single skill than everyone else, and he's incredibly fast. Incredibly. Yeah. Um, he's so also, he's also a magic man. He's fucking magical. Let me let me tell you about Lionel Messi's early life. He is the son of a factory worker and a cleaner. When his when he was young, his dad coached him, as many fathers do. But his father and mother were not accomplished pro athletes or or any kind of athlete themselves at all. With his dad as a coach, he stood out when he was young, and the local professional club, River Plate, River Plate, whatever, was was it was interested in signing him. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is not unique here. Let me just talk about this. That a club, like a professional club anywhere but America, wants to sign someone who's like 10 years old. Where, where did they see him playing well, they, when they wanted to sign him? So he grew up in Ros- Rosalio, Argentina. Is it Rosario or Rosalio? Rosalio, I think. Okay. He grew up in Rosalio, Argentina. Okay. Is, it, is, that, where, is that like near a major city? Is that like rural? It's pretty rural. Is it? Is it, it near Buenos I mean, Aires? His dad was a factory worker. Shit. And his mom was a cleaner. Because like Maradona, same thing, right? He's from, from very, very poor parents. Yeah. So he was from really he was from pretty poor parents. Okay. Um he stood he stood he was he was naturally talented. So this is an example of natural talent, right? Right here. He was stood out when he was young enough that a local professional club wanted to sign him. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Again, this is not weird in anywhere but North America for a ten year old person to get signed. What happens in soccer, let me just explain, is a lot of these players, they get signed when they're very, very young, like nine or 10. The club takes a chance on them. Of these players that are signed like this, only one in 200 of them actually end up playing for the first, what's called the first team mm-hmm. at the professional level. Wow. And the first team is like the clubs that you see on TV. And the other is just phase out. One in 200. Yeah. So you sign 210 year olds and you hope that one just one just becomes an average a player. A diamond in the rough as a, you will. A diamond in the rough. Aladdin, a diamond, a diamond in the rough. In the rough. So also River Plate, the professional team that was going to sign him, they're basically like an NBA G League team compared to the big boys, which are Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United. Um, but they're still a big deal in Argentina. They're a big deal in Argentina, but yeah. still, but when compared to those others, but they're one of the two big teams in Argentina, right? But they're nothing compared to the others. True. Okay. Okay. The other one being Boca Juniors, right? Yeah. 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 Go on. So unfortunately after Messi was, again, he was just signed to this pro team right after he was signed. He was diagnosed with growth hormone deficiency and he needed a treatment yeah. of a thousand us dollars a month that his family could not afford. Tell me about growth. I, Growth hormone deficiency. I don't know. Is I that guess like what it was being short where, as fuck? I, I was reading this. I was like, where are my injections? Wait, is that what just, they just call being short? Growth hormone deficiency? It's called deficiency? being short, messy. When you're not that good at soccer, it's called just being short, Was messy. he going to be like four feet tall? No, he was, he was fucking tiny. How small? He was, it's crazy. He was destroying people at soccer, but he was like. But that might, might be one of the reasons he was so good is that he, he was so small and so good, which he is crazy. He was so small. And so good. It, yeah, it might be one of the reasons he's good is because he had to get really good. That reminds me of myself, honestly. Yeah. Does it? 
Does it though? People have called you the American Messi. They call me the, the, Ameri the American Ameri Flea. The American Messi that never was. Yep. <laughs> Everyone's sad about it. So he needed a treatment of $1,000 a month after, after getting diagnosed with this. And that's something that his family could not afford. Right. R River, Pl River Pl Plate? <laughs> Fuck me. Honestly. Just Fuck me. River Plate, the pro team that, that was about to sign him, um, they said they were going to do the treatment. And then Argentina went into an economic collapse. When, what year are we talking about? 19, uh, 1998. Okay. So they were going to give him the treatment. And then Argentina went into an economic collapse. And they're like, we can't give you the treatment. Oh, no. And I, I say this story because this is an example of a possible derailment. This is it. He might have never. Right. Been. So, so like, so like, right. So at first he had the talent to get signed by this team, but then right here, it's like, you know, maybe 90% of the time in this situation, you don't, you don't get the treatment and it's over. But his parents must've been like, we need to figure this out because this could be a way for him yeah. to get out. So, okay. So yeah. So not only did that happen, he then spent the next year not playing because, because he was, they were caught in the economic struggle, basically. Between uh, River Plata, basically he didn't play for a year. You can Excuse say the me. name; it's okay. We're all friends here. Just he didn't play for a year, so that happened. Then he didn't play for a year. Another possible derailment. Yeah. Okay. Finally, the family. Luckily, this is another example of luck. They had relatives in Barcelona, and the relatives decided to try and get Messi a tryout for Barcelona. The, okay. This is how old is he? he? I didn't know this. He's literally he's eleven. Eleven. This is amazing because. This is amazing because one of the reasons that Argentines give him shit is because he didn't go through the Argentine system. And right. I didn't know the story behind it. Until it's pretty right unfair now. though, because they actually wouldn't give him the medical treatment. So okay. he couldn't play for them. This is, okay. So finally the fam, they had relatives in Barcelona. Luckily they tried to get Messi a tryout for the team. A couple things about Barcelona. Just imagine they're just the Yankees. They're like, they're the greatest team out there. Okay. Messi's grandparents. They happened to be able to convince a prominent member of Barcelona that he was really good and to give him a tryout. So Messi was good enough that he convinced his entire family to like fight for him, basically. Yeah. So they got him the tryout. He had like a couple tryouts and he uh, he really impressed them. So that's an example of luck and talent. God, he's, he was just so dirty because he was so good. So this is natural talent, right? He is so good that he's like he's, he's but I, building. I, these I think the crazy part about it is that he doesn't look. Like with a basketball player, you see a basketball player, you're like, "Holy shit, that dude yeah. looks like he could if jump out of the gym." If you didn't know who Messi was and he walked by you on the street, you would think Messi would be like, "Is nothing. that like, is that like the custodian of my building?" Right. You would think absolutely nothing. Is that like the dude I work with? Yeah. Um. So he impressed the first team director, Charlie Rexach, to want to sign him. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh. shut the fuck up, Adam. Oh, Rexach. <laughs> yeah, no, I suck. <laughs> Unfortunately, at that time. So now Barcelona is like a an international club. They sign players from for, from everywhere. They they get the best players from everywhere. Okay, at that time they didn't sign foreign players. Signed a really good player from Rivendell. Recently, Lego loss. Lego loss. Lego loss. Eh. Gotta work on that. Work on the bit. Yeah, work on the bit. <laughs> loss. Yeah. Lego. Okay. Unfortunately, they didn't sign foreign players, so the board of directors refused to sign him. Oh shit. Yeah. Then there was a huge argument. The youth club. That he was playing at. They gave Barcelona an ultimatum. Because Barcelona were going to have to pay them. Okay. And finally. The first team director. Charlie. He gave Messi his first contract. That's literally on a napkin. The <laughs> the napkin is framed. Is it? He didn't have any paper. He just did it on a napkin. It's a free. He has it framed. Okay. okay. So, so Messi got his first contract on a napkin. And they said that they would continue to pay for the medical bills. If 
he at 12 years old at this time left his hometown of Rosario, Argentina and moved to Barcelona and played for the youth academy. They're talking about the short bills. The the literal medical bills because he was short, right? The literal medical bills because he was short. They said that they would continue to pay for them, but he had to leave his hometown and move to Barcelona. Can I I don't know shortness could be solved. I didn't either. Is it? Has it been solved? I guess it's been solved. Damn it. We were too late. What happened to our parents? We were too late. Where, okay. where were our parents at? Let me talk to you about, about Barcelona's Youth Academy real fast. Yeah. La Masia is basically the Stanford of soccer academies. La Masia. It's even better than that. Yeah, La Masia. Whatever. You got it. La but Masia. Messi still, Adam. Yeah. Had a long way to go even when he got there. Remember, at these youth academies, it is one in 200 end up actually playing for the team. Yeah. Messi's first years at La Masia, Adam. Nice job. We're rough. This is what you, you get a Yoshi. There you go. Okay, so his first years at La Masia were rough. Basically, there's there's quotes from people that said he never spoke. He just sat in the corner. Oh, God. I was like the shyest kid ever. <clears throat> he had no friends. It makes sense. Yeah. He's adapting to a different culture, right? Right, right. So basically, it's an example of determination, right? Him and his whole family had to... They all moved. They all moved. They all yep. moved from Argentina to Barcelona. Well, That's how much they believed that he was going to be just great. Just like Pulisic's dad moved with him. Well, so, well, so this is why Messi now, his whole family, they all manage a separate part of his business. And the, the reason is, is because... They've literally been involved in the, me- because the creation they, of Messi. They've been involved in creating Mess- Messi Inc. from the beginning. So, you know, it's kind of fair. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, so he had no friends at the academy and he wasn't allowed to play matches because of an issue, a transfer issue. And his whole family lived in a small apartment near the stadium. God damn. So the just, whole family The whole moved. family moved. They were all just kind of suffering, just hoping that Messi could make it. And this is an example of Noah's three things. Yeah, exactly. Right? Of is, luck and determination and skill. Right. So determination from the whole family. Yeah. Luck that they convinced Barcelona to give him a tryout. And natural talent that he was able to make the tryout. And yeah. the family yeah. thought he was so good that it helped his things. What, what was his family doing for work while he was there? Well, let me tell you. Finally, Leo's mother and the rest of the family... Mm-hmm. They like couldn't stand being there anymore. In Spain, they just like fuck. they're just like fuck this. Like I want to go back to Argentina. I'm sure. So his dad was like, "All right, I'll stay with you. It'll just be me and you." Um. Also, his kid girlfriend at the time. He had a girlfriend when he was twelve. He had a girlfriend at the time, who she broke up with him. Oh, he, oh! So the war, that is otherwise known as the biggest mistake in, in the world. <laughs> no, no, no! I know, I know. The no, biggest mistake. No, no, no! Anyone no, has no, ever made. She comes made. back. She comes back. She comes back. She comes back. That no. Wait, she, she's fucking back. She's back. She, he's married to her now. Has three kids. That is literally no, she, the biggest mistake this? in the world. The biggest mistake ever made. No, 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 no! Just listen. Just listen. Basically, they made it. They met each other when they were young. She was an aspiring model. Quite hot. Quite hot. Okay, so his 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 kid girlfriend, she broke up with him. He had no friends, and now his family was gone, except for his dad. Except for his dad. But do you understand? He has he has he's literally no friends. His life sucks. His she broke up with him, and he's like having he's transfer st- issues. He can't even play on the team. Well, he's still adapting to a different culture. He's adapting a different culture. People at the I academy said he had no friends. Fucking twelve year old. Yeah, but just listen. Pe- yeah. yeah, people at the academy said that he never spoke a single word. I'm that sure. they were like, what's that? It was a problem. He was so shy. He would, just, he would just dice everyone and then just not speak. He would dice people and then not speak? So oh, did they change? There's him? amazing quotes about him in training. About what? what about is how like? the, the the defenders in line, Yeah, they would try and make sure that they were in line not to go one-on-one against him. That's just how good he is? Because he literally would light them up. Wow, this is just, he's, he's like he, We're talking about like a Mozart-level genius. Yeah, we're talking about a Mozart-level level genius. Okay. 
Yeah. So as he said when he this is what he said when he was 12. He was a second grader when he said this. Yeah. It's kind of insane to think about that. Just think about that. This is a second grader that is all alone. Okay. And this is what he said about these times. They were hard times, but it never crossed my mind to go home. I was alone and my family asked me what I wanted to do. If we stayed or left, that the decision was mine. I was always clear that I wanted to stay. So Which is just, un it's unbelievable determination for a second grader. But he like, when you hear it, I think that a lot of things he had to do was one to adopt the culture. Like when you hear him talk, he speaks in uh, a Spanish accent. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. Okay. Just, just hold on. Just do you, do you understand that a second grader had the determination where he had had a miserable life? His whole family left yeah. except for his dad. And they were like, Hey, you they, even his dad, like you're saying determination, but listen to me, even, even his dad said, said like, like, well, let's go. And he said, no, that's kind of crazy. Do you not think for a second grader to have that, that level of determination? Yeah. I think it is crazy, but I mean, like he wants to be professional football. A lot of second graders want to be professional, but how about, how about when they're completely miserable and how listener, I'm sure you understand this better. I mean, than I wanted to Jesus. be, I wanted to be a professional tetherball player, but I wasn't like committed. Wait, to but it. like Adam, his, his whole family left. He was miserable and they, and his, and they were all asking him like to go. They, they wanted like, they wanted him to come home and he said, no. So he was fighting his own family. is what you're saying. That at, level of turn at this point. Yeah. He was like, I'm, I'm staying here until I die basically. Yeah. Okay. Once Messi was able to play, what's the story of Messi's girlfriend at this point? Is she like walking alone by so the docks? So basically, basically like with her head so down. So she breaks up with him when he goes, and she's like, "He's never gonna make it." Okay. Then Messi starts to become mess dog, and she's, she's like, like uh -oh. "She's like, oh, oh, no, no, no." She's like, "I didn't just make the biggest mistake anyone's ever made." But instead of wallowing in her misery, you think she took massive action. So determination. So for she, her, so she yeah. she had natural talent, natural beauty, talent, beauty, determination, determination to get back, getting him mess back. Dog. Yep. And luck that he was so shy, he didn't find another girlfriend in Spain. <laughs> That's the real That's story. That's the real fucking story of Messi's, Messi's girlfriend. girlfriend that got back with him. Um, so once Messi was able to play, he ended up, he ended up, he luckily ended up on one of the best youth teams um, ever that has two other legendary players. And the big thing about that was that one of the legendary players, Messi, ended up being roommates with him. Is it Iniesta or Zavi? It was Fabregas. Oh, okay. So, really? so basically in Messi's position, the dude that needs to get Messi the ball for Messi to score, he ends up being roommates with that dude. And this is when Messi's not talking to anyone. Okay. And C and Cesc Fabregas, this is his roommate, was really popular and ended up bringing Messi in. Oh, so are they friends? Yeah. So he ended up he ended up bringing Messi into the culture and that was okay. an example of luck because if Messi he you know, could have never assimilated. So he brought him in. Cesc did. Cesc, he was a sick Cesc guy. He, yeah. He was a sick guy. Yeah, isn't that cool? That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So okay. So um, he's, he's socially in now. So he's socially in, and honestly, the rest is the rest is history. That's it. Then we're off. And that youth team is done. Yeah. And we're off. the The funny thing is, I looked up that youth team. Okay. Yeah. And I read all the players, and it's like so. There's three legendary players, and every other player you just never hear from again. That's so funny. It's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I bring that story up again. Talk about the big three. Messi had a lot of luck. He had a lot. He had crazy determination as a 12 year old second grader, right? Which Adam doesn't seem to understand. And then he had extreme natural talent. Yeah. Okay. We're going to move on to NBA players and height. I understand the natural talent part. Cause that's what I bring to the podcast every time. I like extreme it. natural. I like they it. call me the natural. They call you the, AKA natural. the natural. Yeah. NBA players and height, Adam, you like this section. Okay. This is very exciting Okay. because I have a feeling that height matters a lot in basketball. I have that basketball. feeling too. Basketball. 
I'm bringing this up to look at something where being born a certain way gives you a much better chance at being a pro athlete. So, so this is an example of just, just natural, natural talent, I guess, if yeah. that's it. So let's talk about seven feet tall people. Centers in basketball can be, can be seven feet tall. Yes, they can. It's huge. If you are born seven feet tall and you are a U.S. citizen, you have a 17% chance that you will play in the NBA. Holy shit. You have a 17% chance and what is the, what that are you will the play other, in the NBA. What are the other people doing? Honestly, that would be... If you didn't play... Well, they could have bone... If you get the tall, you have bone issues, Wait, if right? you couldn't play pro basketball, that would be a brutal life. Be seven feet tall. You can at least get a scholarship. Yeah, so, so what I was going to say is that if you're seven feet tall, you can 100% get a scholarship to play basketball anywhere. Yep. And you could almost oh, definitely play in Europe. Well... No, but like a lot of people that are that tall have a lot of body mechanics stuff going on. I mean, but you just literally have to be able to stand under the hoop and put your hand up. Yeah. Like my, like my, my penis, like I have all sorts right. of mechanical issues. Right. You have all sorts of mechanical it. issues. Because of its, its size. Um, in, in the 2000, in the 2019 to 2020 season, the average player was six foot, six inches. Height and weight in the NBA, they've gone up until 1987. When they remain basically the same. So six six. From the beginning, yeah. From the beginning of basketball, it just went right up until yeah. they got to six six. And In it other words, consistent. yeah, six million. A lot. A lot. A lot. A whole lot of height. Do you know? Yeah, six six. Okay. Interesting. So interestingly enough, though, point guards, which is the smallest position on the court, okay, they've gone up to six two and a half. Oh, recently. So although the average height's staying the same, well, which is average height staying the same. The smallest position is going up, and the tallest position is going down a little bit. The oh. So we're actually we're getting to just every player being about 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> That's so true. It's so interesting. Like, you know the about, data is insane. But So every player is going to be like, what it, they say in the NBA is like a switchable player. And, and, you can, and guard, a little bit, every, you can every, guard everyone. Every single player will just be 6'6". Six, six. So there is like a perfect height. There's a perfect height to play basketball. It's about 6'6 six, six to 6'8". Six, because that's where you keep your skills, but you still have the height to guard people. You seem to be able to keep your skills, and you still have that height. That's so funny. So the, the, the big ones are shrinking, and the smaller ones are getting bigger. Big ones bigger. are shrinking, smaller ones, smaller in the ones are getting bigger. We're to the, to the, the absolute ideal height. 6'6". Six, six. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay, so what you're saying is that maybe height is important. What I'm What I'm trying to get at is that... Sometimes, yeah, the way you're born for basketball is a big is a big fucking deal. It's a BFD. I'm not just saying that because I suck at basketball. Okay, <laughs> people. The average height of a U.S. male, Adam, is five nine and a half. It is bullshit. There are two, there are two players. We're bringing it down. There are there are two players in the NBA that played a total. There are two players in the NBA that are under five nine and a half. They played a total of 02 percent of the total minutes. So the reason I bring the, the, that up is because. An average height male played 0.2% of the total minutes of the NBA. So it matters if you're born more. So so one-fifth of 1%. Yes. Okay. So that's they, a, they, that, and that's a more confusing way to say 0.2%. There it is. <laughs> yeah. What about Muggsy Bogues and Spud Webb? Muggsy, I know. They're both like 5'3". Muggsy three. Bogues was 5'3". But he could fucking dunk. Okay. They could both dunk. No, that's an incredible story. Yeah. I mean, I would love to talk about that. It's amazing, but we're not. Okay. Back to average, back to uh, average height players at six six. Yeah. Adam, do you know what percentage of the world is six six? Can I guess? Can I please guess? The, yeah, the, I'll most, give you, the world's most amazing guesser. Oh yeah, let me. I'll give you a hint. Fourteen point five percent of the world are over six feet. So that's six foot. Fourteen point five percent. I think it is one percent. Less than one percent. It's it's point one point one percent. Okay. You said it's point one percent. Yep. 
He looks at his notes. I just hate to tell you that. Yeah. I I'm hate exactly to tell you right, about your right. guess. I'm exactly right. I'm exactly right. If you get lucky. Yeah. And you are born 6'6", six, six, yeah. you are 0.11% of the population. <laughs> Holy shit, I nailed it. I'm the world's <laughs> best motherfucking so guesser. Anyway. Yeah, baby. So... Why I bring it up? <laughs> you get to play your, you know celebra- play. your fucking celebration. You know it's music. gotta play. You gotta play it when you celebrate. Nah, 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 nah. So if you get lucky, Adam, right, and six, and you're born six six, you are one in a thousand. <laughs> one in a thousand people are born six six. So one in a thousand people start off being the average height of an NBA player. Okay, I'm, I'm saying this again. One in a thousand people just start off at the average height of an NBA player. That's to just get in the. That's to get in the in the game. Can I tell you a funny story? Sure. When um, you when you dunked, I had, I had a kid, a student that was that was six six, and he would always wear basketball shoes. Like he he had adopted the identity of being a basketball player, obviously because he was that tall. And one time his dad came in, and he seemed really worried about something. I was like, hey, like I think his name is Rick. I was like, Rick, what's up? What's, what's wrong, up, Rick? What's up, Rick? And he was like, well, we're we're really helping. We're really hoping that that Jaden really hoping that he gets to six nine because then he would just be, get more scholarships like dude are you fucking oh, are kidding you me kidding like me? fucking relax he's like six million feet tall the dad said that yeah oh my god can i get come some on of that? come on dog wait yeah. how tall was the kid kid was six five okay so he's go, he's so again i think we're fine i think we're fine yeah honestly i read this section if you're tall he didn't need the, let me say he didn't need the scholarship anyway it, let me say if you're tall okay. just play basketball there it is i mean if you're tall but there's no reason you shouldn't be playing basketball Right. Because it's literally based around height. If you just look at the data. Okay. Okay. Um, according to the New York Times, if you're shorter than six feet, do you know what the chances are that you will play in the NBA? God. I mean, like, Allen Iverson was, like, probably the best under six foot player, right? I mean, but he's considered six one. The answer? I don't think he's six one. Okay. Let's just count him. Um, I mean, that's why he's such an enigma. Yeah, an enigma. I don't know. Okay. What are the chances? There, are, According to the New York Times. Sorry, the big boys got in on this. Part of it. There is a one point. There is a one in one point two million chance that you make it to the NBA. Holy! So that's basically shit. you versus the population of Dallas. Okay, so the population. <laughs> so it's all of Dallas versus you. That's your chance to get into the NBA. Three hundred fifty million. And again, let me just say this article was written in twenty thirteen, so the population of Dallas might have grown since then. But it's basically you against Dallas. One in one point two million. One in one point two million. Take the take everyone that lives in Dallas and you, and you just have to get picked. That's awesome. Yeah, so and that's actually how amazing those athletes are. So, so okay, that's how so yeah. amazing they so are. So if you're under six feet, you are like some next level baller. If you're under six feet and you just like Nate Robinson, like I get that he wasn't like the greatest player ever. Yeah, but just wait, but like just the fact that uh, that he, uh, he's playing he's as five under eight. six We're foot about a five is unfucking believable. Right. Yeah, right. It's unbelievable because basketball is, as you can see. Um, but the thing is that like you. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me, let me go yep. with this. Yep, yep. If you are six six, if you are six six, if you're the point, if you're the one in a thousand that's born six six, do you know what chance you have? So again, if you're under six foot, it's one in one point two million. And now this is the chances you have if you are six six six. Can I nail it? Can the world's best guess go, go, go again? Go, go, go. Are you sure you want me to? Yeah, just go. No, you seem a little, seem a little fed up. Yeah, I want to read it. No, 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 no. I like your guessing. Go. I think that you have, uh, if you're 6'6", you probably have a uh, a 2% chance. 2% chance. 
of being a professional basketball player. It's not bad. It's it's less than that though. So you have a one in two hundred, one in two hundred chance. We have like 0.5. 0.5 percent chance. Yeah, of making the league. So one in two hundred. So again, under six foot, it's you and you against Dallas. One in two hundred is you against like a New York City subway car. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, so that's how much better your chances get if okay. you're born taller. There you go. Okay. Just to cement it. And we read all that to say why we didn't make it to the NBA. There it is. That's our <laughs> excuse. Um, one more thing. All-stars, the NBA's best players. Yeah. Okay. I looked at the average height and weight of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the best players in the NBA, they're on average an inch taller. So they're six, seven, and they're eight pounds heavier than the average player. Okay. So a little difference, but not a lot. But basically it seems like six, seven. Six, six. Six, six. No, I mean like six, 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 six to six, eight. That's what every single player in the NBA is going to be. In well, how tall is LeBron? 6'8", right? 6'8". Yeah. Right. You, you know how tall Kobe Bryant is? How tall? 6'6". Six, six. Right. Kevin Durant's 7 feet tall. Right. He's fucking humongous. All right. I got one more section. I got one more section. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I know this is a long one, but it's a good one. Man tries to become pro golfer. <laughs> right. This is about yeah, a happens? dude. Okay. He, was, he quit his job as a commercial photographer at 30. He's 30 years old. He quit his job as a commercial photographer. Um, he didn't even know how to grip a golf club. Yeah. He had literally been to the driving range twice. So he was like, I want to see if I can get to 10,000 hours and that makes me a professional golfer. People have really adopted this, the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. They've thing. really, really adopted it. Um, so for five years, he put everything he had into trying to get 10,000 hours to become a pro golfer. You have a girlfriend? That, <laughs> Probably not. Okay, so that means that he stopped. He stopped his career. He didn't do how any. Do eat, how did he eat? I mean, yeah, dude, he ate. But like, you know what I mean. He didn't do any other work besides play golf. Okay. He just every day he woke up and he was like, "How much He's golf?" Like, can I'm I committed play? to the tour. Yeah, and so well, he wanted to make it like a thing, you know, so people like followed him. But one of you know, so for months, for 18 months, he was he built his game from the hole out. So all he did was putt for 18 months. What? For yeah. 18 yeah. months? Yeah, he studied like practicing and like practice regimes and like all that shit. Holy cow. So for 18 months, he was just doing the short game. Okay. And? At peak practice, he was putting in four hours on the practice screen and then the driving range and then playing 18 holes. Wait, wait, four hours on all Sorry, no, I guess it would be two hours on the practice screen, <laughs> two hours on the driving range, and then he'd play 18 okay. holes. Okay, that is absurd. Yeah. It's a certain amount of practice. It's, Again, a full, it's more than a full-time job. He's he, working overtime. He's working overtime. He's doing overtime. Overtime. He's working overtime. Overtime. <laughs> he only counted dedicate, dedicated practice to his 10,000 hours. Yeah. And so remember, okay, let me tell you the results. Remember this. This is a man who had never golfed before in his life. Yeah. Okay. Over halfway to the, to his hour mark, so he was about 6,000 hours, he got his handicap down to 2.6. Then that is a mark achieved by only 6% of golfers. So from literally never playing before, he became better than 94% of golfers. Okay, but how good do you need to be to get on the tour? So he needed a ways to go. He's got a ways so, to go. But although he was better than 94% of golfers. Yeah. From never playing. That's cool. From literally never playing. So that's, that's interesting. So at around that same time, 6,000 hours, his back gave out. Oh, no. What? And, yep. So luck. We're talking about luck. We're talking about luck. His six, back gave out? 6,000 hours, his back gave out, and he couldn't play for six months. Then when he came back, he couldn't play every day. Oh, no. So we, we got bad luck here. Again, like the Messi story. Messi could have stopped. Could not play soccer. And then? And all, and that was pretty much the end of it. I read an article about him. I looked at his blog. It just abruptly ends. And then I read an article about it. And it's like about him like not able to write the last post. 
basically Why? saying that he gave up because he he dedicated his life to golf, and, and he, he was, was making about he was making about two hundred fifty dollars a month on oh. donations. Holy shit! So he you know had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. He had to go back to work. His back was giving out, and but he, he was, was like he was doing just things were happening. Things were happening, but when he got six thousand hours, his back gave out, and he said he couldn't play every day. So this is all going to going to say that if you have no talent and you train that hard at something, there's a good chance you're going to get really, really good at it. Yeah, there's a, so there's a lot here. There's a good chance that if you have absolutely no talent but train every day, that, guess what? You'll probably be better than 94% of people at it. Yeah. Anyway, um, but then also luck is a huge is a huge factor in this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of his advisors, Robert Bjork from UCLA, he's a cognitive psychology professor who research, researches effective ways to practice or gain mastery. He said this about how people can can um, can keep going because Dan stopped at six thousand hours. Well, he said this about the whole thing. Yeah. Historically, there are great painters who just persisted even even though during their lifetimes they were impoverished. Dan, go. Yeah, it's a mystery what kept them going. So, like, what kept those masters because they had to practice so much? Like, what kept them going? Rage. Um, <clears throat> exactly. For Tiger Woods, there was no push to have him practice. It was a reward if he got his homework done. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky's parents w- would have to go get him for meals. He was out there on the ice on his own. And he says, for Dan on his take on for Dan on his take on golf, he said that he grew to love golf, but it was never an obsession for him. That he didn't really care. Whoa. Wait, wait, wait. How could you say that about someone that spent like eight or twelve no, hours Dan, a day? Sorry, Dan said that at the end. I don't know. He seems pretty obsessed with it, right? But he was he was obsessed with with trying to become you know, trying to see like where this, where this went. He never became obsessed with golf, but that's what they say about, about a lot of the greats, like that they, that's all they do. Single-minded focus. Right. But then that goes into, remember that book we read about range, about how like Roger Federer didn't just play tennis when he was young. Yeah. He played like volleyball and basketball and other things, right? You don't have to like be single-minded about it. Right, right. But I'm, I'm just saying what, what this coach is saying is that maybe he could have gotten to the 10,000 even through the injury, but he just yeah. never loved it enough. Yeah. Again, total yeah. dedication, natural talent, luck. I understood. But it was, it's an interesting little... little. Uh, he did become better than 94% of golfers from never playing. Save your last thoughts for Opa Kimono. Okay. Okay. We're going to take a, a one more break. And after that, it's time for Open Kimono. <laughs> No, this is the halftime. Oh, it's not the halftime, honey. Holy shit. Too much weed. <laughs> this is the open kimono where we freely talk and discuss our final thoughts on the topic and leave nothing to the imagination. Okay. My thoughts on the topic are that I think you made a really good case of combination of three things, luck, determination, and natural skill. 
I think that a lot of a lot of what I'm seeing is is a community. So Messi had a community of his family that supported him the whole time. Right. And it, not if not if it wasn't his whole family, it was his dad. Right. It was really the whole family. Usain Bolt had a, had the community of runners in Jamaica. Right, the to- Kenyan runners have a community of each other. Ed ten, the total dedication that can take natural talent. Guess who did not have a community? Dan, and he quit. Yeah, I like so that. I think that's that I think that that's really important and underrated. That's a, that's a that's that's a good take. I think that you know if you've ever thought if you're out there thinking, what could have been, maybe you could have been a pro athlete. Um, I know I wish I was a pro athlete, mm-hmm. but I think researching this made me really really realize that. Really look at it and say, did you have any of the three? Did you have a chance? Did you even have a chance? Did you have one of the three? Did you have, or really zero three? And now when I look at it, I'm just like, and by natural talent to be a pro athlete, you need to be murking people when you're 10. <laughs> like yeah. you need to be like, not just good, not, you know, not good when you're 10, like, like murking, like destroying. But you're also talking about, you need to pick the right sports, right? If you're a basketball player and you're under six feet, don't don't try to play Wait, basketball. If you're if you think you're going to be under six feet, don't play basketball. Just don't play the sport. Yeah, it's not going to work ever for you. There's no chance. Play There's zero percent chance. Lionel Messi, even after his growth hormone, is like five seven. Right. He would have tiny. Never played basketball, but he's the goat. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I think that these people all had someone. You think that they have someone in their corner that helps them push through some of the obstacles they come through. I think so. Yeah. So, sometimes, sometimes I'm just like, I wish I was a pro, a pro soccer player so badly. But then I think, like never but, but then I think about this. And I'm like, I don't even know if I had one of the three. I know. So it's just like, it was no, not possible. What anyway. about podcasting? Why, why are we just, we're like fucking the there. Podcast All ever. fucking three. All fucking All three. All fucking three. Determination, luck, and absolute natural ability. Fuck yeah. Adam, where can people find us? Guys, shout out. Oh, you can find us. At DudeNature.com, you can find us on Instagram at Dude underscore Nature. And also, just want a quick shout out to Sarah's boyfriends. 100%. Uh, if any of them are 6'6", you should go play in Europe. Just go fucking try to sign with a team right there. If you're we'll, fucking told, we'll take dude, that money. If you're told dude, you can we'll take that money into our family somewhere. We'll take that money into our family. And we'll your pro it. athlete. And your tallness, too. We'll take that tallness. Um, we'll breed. Yeah. Breed. Dude underscore Nature at Instagram. And guys, if you've listened to more than one episode and you really like the podcast, I don't know why you're listening if you don't like it then please give us a review on iTunes, the five-star rating. It really helps us, and it helps uh, it helps all aspiring athletes out there. <laughs> Honestly. Ladies and gentlemen, we love you guys. Thank you for listening.